Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Today on Looking Forward, we're going to take a look at a major trend that is having a big impact on us, whether we live in the United States or elsewhere around the world. It's climate change. To help us learn more about climate change and the renewable energy options that are being developed or used to address it, we've brought on a recognized expert on this topic. He's Tom Noyes. Tom Noyes is Principal Planner for Utility Policy for the Delaware Division of Climate, Coastal, and Energy, where he serves as Renewable Energy Policy and Program Lead. He has guided the growth of solar energy at all scales in Delaware. Tom has more than 20 years of experience in state and city government policy and administration and has an MBA in finance from the University of Delaware. Hi, Tom. Welcome to Looking Forward. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Tom, can you briefly tell us a bit more about where you work and what exactly you do? I mentioned it briefly in the intro, but could you talk a little bit more about that, please? I work in the Delaware Division of Climate, Coastal, and Energy, which is part of the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Control. It's Delaware's environmental agency. Climate, Coastal, and Energy covers a series of overlapping and related topics. We promote renewable energy, energy efficiency, and cleans transportation. We manage critical coastal natural resources, and we have scientists on our team who measure the changes to those resources to better understand the impacts of climate change. And big thing that's going on right now, we're preparing a climate action plan to map out how we're going to achieve future productions in greenhouse gas emissions. Speaking more directly to what I do, I'm responsible for renewable energy policies and programs. Our principal policy is called the Renewable Energy Portfolio Standards. So if you hear me slip into RPS, that's what that is. It's Renewable Energy Portfolio Standard. It's fundamental. It's a law that says every year we're going to procure a slightly greater amount of our electricity from renewable resources. I also work on uh, policy issues involving the regional grid or the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. But the RPS is our principal tool. Also manage my little team. Uh, We manage Green Energy Fund, which is a small program that funds, mostly it funds small renewable energy installations, rooftop solar. We've done a lot of that, 5,000 grants uh, since the program was started in, in 1999. And in the years I've been with Denrec, which has been just about a little more than nine years, we've added roughly 100 megawatts of solar power to Delaware. And a lot of that is distributed, small scale rooftop on your business or home. We've also restarted a program that we think is very cool, which is a small grant program for research and development and technology demonstration for renewable energy and related technologies. That's exciting. 
We know that solar panels work. We know that wind power works. We know that electric vehicles work. How do you tie them all together? That's a big piece of the, some of the research and development work that we're starting to fund. It's great work. It's exciting work. It's important. We get to work with some very cool people. Well, certainly during these times, it's becoming more and more important and exciting. And we'll get into that more, Tom. Thanks for that intro. By the way, when you say DENREC, that's the acronym, correct? For the organization? Yes. yes. Thank you for catching me on another acronym. DENREC is Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Control. You see it in the papers, mostly DENREC. If anybody from outside of Delaware is listening, Yes, thank you for catching me on that. Oh, that's okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Tom, looking forward is, of course, about looking into the future. We'll be looking at the present, too. But I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind to look a little bit backwards and help our audience understand, from your perspective, what are some of the key changes that have occurred in the emphasis on, or perhaps lack of emphasis on, climate change and renewable energy options over the past few decades. Now we're talking about up to, but not including COVID-19. Over the last 20 or 30 years, we have seen a growing awareness of climate change and what it's going to mean for Delaware and uh, for humans around the planet, really. It started with a small cadre of scientists raising their hands and saying, we have a problem here. And that's you know, only 30 some years ago that they started really raising the alarm. And since then, the science has just grown enormously in sophistication. And while the science has developed and been refined, the fundamentals of it have not changed in any significant way. It's still the basics of greenhouse gas emissions, block heat in our atmosphere, and the planet is warming up. And as the planet warms up, ice melts in the Arctic, in Greenland, in glaciers, in mountain ranges, that snow melt is increasing. So we're seeing that around the, the, uh, the world. Meanwhile, we're seeing not only a growing interest in renewable energy, but a renewable energy industry that's increasingly able to meet the demand for renewable energy in a cost-effective way. Solar panels in 20 years are much more efficient and cost-effective than they were. Even 10 years, it's a huge difference in solar panels. You look at wind turbines. Uh, wind turbines are larger and more efficient than they were 10 years ago. And the primary driver of renewable energy in, in the U.S., there are a number of drivers, but the primary one, and it's one that I work with, is states requiring the procurement of renewable energy. RPS, it's a simple idea. You say every year we're going to buy a little bit more renewable energy, and then you let the market compete to meet that demand. As the technology improves and as manufacturing uh, achieves increasing economies of scale, the cost comes down. And we're seeing that with onshore wind, offshore wind, solar panels, whether it's distributed rooftop or utility scale. And we're starting to see that definitely with electric vehicles and storage systems where that can store renewable energy. There's just a whole lot of progress and it's right when we need it. That is excellent. I do want to ask you to comment on this, Tom. It hasn't been smooth sailing though. 
these problems were noticed you're talking about like 30 years ago people were noticing the scientists were talking about it and the principles have not changed much but i know you mentioned manufacturing improving the technologies are improving bringing the cost down but there's been some resistance there's there have been disbelievers have there not this thing might have moved more quickly perhaps if more people had jumped on the bandwagon or paid more attention to it is that not also the case? Oh, yes, of course, it's been the case. There has been resistance and it's been it's been political and had a variety of causes. And there have also been entrenched energy systems that when they're built uh, last for years and changing them takes effort. It takes investment. And uh, sometimes those who have invested in fossil fuel industries are reluctant to see their investments impaired. But that's why we're doing this incrementally, a bit each year. It's a process that works. And we're also seeing some industry that has made the jump. There are old school energy companies that are getting interested in investing in renewable energy. The company Ersted, which is building offshore wind along the coast of the U.S., used to be known as Danish Oil and Natural Gas. Okay. It completely did a turnaround on that. General Electric, which has been around for more than a century, leading manufacturer of electrical systems, now makes the biggest offshore wind turbine in the world. Wow. So there, there are opportunities there as well. So what you're saying, Tom, is that you are clearly seeing the momentum. It was it was slow, but it's building over the years, the momentum of addressing the challenge of climate change. Yes, I think it is a growing momentum. And part of it is that a renewable energy system, when put in place, just starts running. The investment has been made. There's almost no maintenance involved in a solar panel or wind turbine. So it's going. And if you're in the business of installing or manufacturing these systems, you move on to the next project. So it builds a bit each year. Yes, that's great to know, Tom. Tom, right now, as we're recording this, we're still in the throes of a pandemic, which hopefully we'll get out of in 2021 at some point. What impact, if any, Tom, has COVID-19 had on either the climate crisis that we're experiencing and the problems it's causing and or the interest in renewable energy sources? Is there anything that's happening because of COVID-19 that perhaps either might not have happened or is happening more quickly? Well, it seems that at least for a while, COVID slowed some economic activity, of course, and that's had an effect on the industry. And there was a temporary decrease in emissions, primarily from transportation, which is a few months worth of lower greenhouse gas emissions. But uh, I don't think that's going to be a permanent impact. Earlier this year, we saw a slowdown in solar energy installations in Delaware, and we took steps to try and um, nudge the market along by adjusting some incentives. And now the second half of 2020 has been a better year for the solar industry in Delaware than the first half. So we're trying to do our part to keep the industry going. So we think we're getting back on track here in Delaware. Let me ask you a question now that you mentioned that. To what extent do you see what's happening in Delaware, which is, of course, where you're based, being mirrored by other states 
and maybe even the actions of, if you're aware of them, other countries. Are other states moving along at a similar pace to Delaware? Are they doing similar things? Or is there a vast difference between where you guys are in Delaware and other places here and elsewhere around the world? More than half the states have renewable energy requirements. There are some who don't. Some states are ahead of us. We're ahead of some other states. There are some states that have seen the development of renewable energy at some significant scale. Texas has been a leader in wind. Iowa has been a leader in wind and became a leader in wind manufacturing. So again, some of some states are ahead of us, some are behind. We can learn from those that are moving faster than we are. And it's important to know that state policy has been the principal driver of renewable energy in the U.S. Other countries set national policies. Um, we have never in the U.S. had a national renewable energy policy comparable to an RPS in Delaware or Maryland or New Jersey or California, on and on. But that's been driving the adoption of renewable energy and it's we're the U.S. is different in that way, but that's what we got, and that's what we're working with. And Tom, while we're on that subject, and I appreciate what you just said there, are other countries where they have a more unified approach? Unified meaning the whole country is sort of moving in a certain direction. Do some of these countries tend to be way more ahead of us, or a lot, you know, a lot more ahead of us because of that? Do you sense that? Do you know that? Well, again, it's a mix. Yeah. Uh, France has a lot of nuclear power and is reluctant to shut those down. Denmark and England are moving ahead with offshore wind. Germany as well has installed a lot of solar power. Now, one difference in what a lot of countries are able to do and what we can do in the U.S. is not only are the government structured differently, but the industry is structured differently. Regulated utilities in Delaware and in a lot of other states do not own generating assets. They go out and buy the power in short and medium and up to three-year contracts to get the best price. It's a system that works. We have a grid that connects a lot of states. Delaware is connected to a regional grid that serves more than 60 million customers. So the tools that a state that has integrated utilities that own their generating capacity that report to a central government and that's it. The policy tools are very different than what we have here in Delaware where the policy tools are, how do we create markets? We create a mandate that creates a market and we work with the utilities to see to it that the market brings increasing efficiency and lower cost to renewable energy. It's a very different approach from a lot of countries. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out, Tom. Tom, I know that you have helped spearhead Delaware's efforts to address climate change and to promote renewable energy options. What do you see as being the most promising developments today in your state to address climate change issues and to promote renewable energy options? Well, the most important thing perhaps that we're doing right now is we are developing a climate action plan. And this is built on detailed analysis of how we meet uh, the governor's commitment to greenhouse gas emissions, to Paris Accord levels, which he made as part of the U.S. Climate Alliance a couple of years ago. 
So how do we meet that? And how do we go past that? So this is not just general thinking out loud. This is analysis that's going into that. And it's important to know when we see the plan, which will be soon, that we don't just get there through business as usual. We have to continue to lead on policy. A second thing that has happened or is happening is that at the beginning of the year, Governor Carney called for an increase in the RPS. Our current RPS is 25% by 2025. That's not that far away. And he wants to take it to it to 40% by 2035. He wants us to keep going, in other words. And Tom, now, just if you could stop for one second. So 40% would mean 40% of the energy is from renewable energy sources? Yes. Got it. Okay. Again, since state policy drives a lot of investment in renewable energy, this is important. And if you're going to keep going, you have to start letting people know a couple of years in advance. Uh, legislation did not get considered this last session because it was such a strange session. Mm. Hardly anything that wasn't just basic business of a budget and some emergency COVID legislation, everything else got put aside. So I would expect to see a bill uh, reflecting the governor's policy direction in the new year. We are going to continue to see wind and solar energy costs coming down as uh, we see more economies of scale. And economies of scale drive more innovation, which becomes a virtual circle. And then an important piece that there's going to be more and more work on is how to integrate renewable energy into the grid, whether that's energy storage so that solar power that's generated in the middle of the day can be stored for two, three hours. So you have it uh, when people come home and start cooking dinner. And so energy storage will be a piece of it. More increasing sophistication of control systems for the grid, which is already an amazing invention. The modern electric grid moves energy around back and forth every moment of the day and maintains the grid at 60 cycles AC with variances so small in terms of frequency that you couldn't tell mm. that the tuning fork is changing its frequency <laughs> ever so slightly. That's great. Those are some things I expect we'll be seeing. One thing that I'd like you to speak about just briefly, Tom, is, and this is sort of fundamental of the whole conversation, which is, can you quickly give us a few examples of what Delaware has seen relative to the impact of climate change, you know, since you've been there over the last, whatever, 20 years? Well, we've seen farmland taken out of production because of saltwater intrusion. Flooding on Route 9, which is south of Newcastle down to Delaware City, it's all, always been a low-lying road. Flooding is becoming more commonplace there. As you travel up and down the middle of the state, close, closer to the coastal regions, you see what are called ghost forests. These are trees that have been growing in wetlands, but as the character of the wetlands change, Trees that used to thrive in freshwater wetlands turn to ghosts. They die as because of saltwater intrusion. We see stronger rainfalls lead to flooding even away from the coast itself. Those are some quick examples. Thank you. It is very real. Now I'm going to shift our direction a little bit, Tom, and ask you to do what 
looking forward is all about, which is looking forward a little bit. If you could think about the future and speculate perhaps about what sorts of efforts we'll see to address climate change issues and alternatives to fossil fuels over the next decade. Do you see things going along as they are now at a steady pace? Do you see a ramp up potentially? Do you see new sources of renewable energy emerging or new technologies to help the renewable sources of energy perhaps become even more rampant in society? What do you see looking forward? Well, the fundamental renewable energy technologies are wind and solar. And they've been developing over some years, and there's a lot of work that goes into that. And they're becoming more and more cost-effective and more and more efficient. What we will see is a lot more work in how they're integrated into the grid. For rooftop into the distribution system that we have on every block where we live or work. But at the larger scale, what do we need to do in terms of transmission to accommodate utility-scale solar and more and more wind power, which won't necessarily be built where the old fossil fuel plants have been built. So there's going to be a lot of work in that. And then storage is going to be more and more part of it so that we can smooth out the variations in generation. The grid is already very good at managing, generating resources, coming offline, going online every minute of the day, but storage will become another resource Uh, and an increasingly cost-effective resource. We're going to see more and should see more electric vehicles. And electric vehicles, the way the interplay between electric vehicles and renewable energy is going to be an interesting one. One is there's a, a technology called vehicle to grid where your vehicle, when you're not driving it, can store electricity, maybe feed some back to the the grid, when the grid needs it, you drive home, you need a little bit more power. The grid won't charge your car at dinner time, but it'll charge it in the middle of the night or the middle of the day. So we're going to see more and more of that. By the way, energy efficiency is an important piece of this picture. Energy efficiency, if if we can reduce the amount of electricity we need to generate to meet our needs, and that's what energy efficiency is. It's not deprivation. It's not turning down your thermostat. It's making power, achieving the same result with less electricity. And as that develops, every megawatt hour of electricity we don't need to generate anymore gets us that much quicker to more renewable energy. The the two work hand in hand. Interestingly, also electric vehicles and electric electrification of buildings, the reducing the use of uh, fossil fuels to heat buildings, for instance, also will work to change the dynamic for electric utilities. We're going to see more about that in the coming years, about how if we electrify everything and increasingly use renewable energy to power those end uses, then each separate strategy sort of works in concert. There's a synergy there. We accomplish more with electric vehicles and renewable energy than either one apart from the other. We're going to see more of that. So you're you're rather optimistic and bullish about what's going to happen over the next decade. Yes. We've still got a lot of pain in because yeah. turning the climate around is a huge thing. 
but there's a lot of opportunity there for new technologies and technologies that in the long run create economic as well as environmental benefits. I want to get to that in just a minute because that's a really important question. The secret word on looking forward is often opportunity. So I want to get to that. But if you could quickly mention something, and I know it may not be a topic a lot of people are familiar with unless they're involved in this world of climate change and renewable energy. Where does carbon pricing fit into this? Will that help also to improve the environment? Well, Delaware is part of something called the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which is a carbon pricing collective among mostly eastern, northeastern states. Delaware is part of that. And what that does is it creates a market. Power plants bid for the right to sell certificates saying, I am allowed to emit this much carbon. And if you bid too high, somebody else gets the business. So it's a way of driving the market. The U.S. did a similar thing with sulfur dioxide and chemicals that created acid rain uh, almost 30 years ago. And it worked because it led to the most cost-effective solutions being successful in that market. Now, Reggie in itself is not enough to drive the market, uh, to drive where we need to go. And Reggie carbon pricing is just one strategy among many. But it is another market approach that can have an impact. And by the way, the proceeds from those sales is used to uh, fund energy efficiency and electric vehicle programs and Delaware, similar programs in other states. And just to clarify for everybody, if I've gotten this right, Tom, the carbon pricing policy is really meant to disincentivize those who generate a lot of carbon from doing so, correct? Yes. Okay. That's the idea. Okay. Now I want to get to what may be the most significant thing that I'm going to ask you about, which is there's been some debate where some are saying, oh, if you do all these things that relate to climate change, you're going to actually end up causing people to lose jobs. Companies maybe will be going out of business. Companies who are in fossil fuel. A lot of people work in those industries. There's the other side that's saying, oh, no, 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 there'll be a lot of jobs created by changing over to renewable energy sources and doing things that will ameliorate climate problems. What are your thoughts about that, Tom? And if you see opportunities, can you be specific? Because we have people who are thinking about what to major in college. We have people who are thinking about changing their career. And we have investors who might be listening in saying, well, where's the opportunity? I know it's a big, broad question, but if you could do your best at sort of giving us an overview of what you think about that. Well, if we're talking about jobs, I think it's helpful to start with an understanding of the economics of energy and electricity generation in our system. All energy sources have costs, and these costs are very differently structured when it comes to, say, fossil fuel, coal or natural gas versus wind and solar. Fossil fuel generation, first of all, depends on continuing resource extraction. You install a natural gas generator, you've got to feed it every day. So much of the cost of producing electricity with natural gas is the cost of the fuel. Now also, fossil fuel generation has costs that don't show up on a company's balance sheet or in your electric rates. 
And these are costs from the ongoing emissions of uh, nitrogen oxide, sulfur dioxide, particulate matter, and greenhouse gases. These emissions have costs. We don't see them. These costs are health and environmental costs, as well as uh, climate costs. And these costs fall largely on the public at large. So somebody's paying that, but they're not present uh, when you go to do a rate case in front of of the Public Service Commission in Delaware, for instance, or a utility commission in another state. They don't show up on your electric bill. Climate change is not without costs. It's a problem that costs, is going to cost money. And the longer it goes unaddressed, the more those costs are going to, to mount. In contrast to fossil fuels, renewable energy costs are mostly upfront. They're capital costs, building and installing the system. Once it's there, it's going to run. Somebody has to sit at a terminal somewhere and make sure it's doing what it's supposed to do, but you don't need to be sitting there by the wind turbine and the solar panels for that to happen. There's nobody who has to sit there with a wrench. Very little maintenance that goes into solar panels. They get installed. We're talking about assets with lives of 20, 30 years, we think, because we're not 20 or 30 years into these industries maturing to the point where we know when they really start to break down. Because of this, the cost of renewable energy, wind and solar, are coming down. Cost of most other energy generation are either flat or going up even. Or in the case of natural gas, they're just subject to a market and can fluctuate up and down. So the, the economics of wind and solar are very clearly moving in a favorable direction. Because of that, in Delaware, we can get from where we are today in our RPS, we can double the RPS from where we are today to 40% by 2035. And because older contracts for renewable energy will be coming offline, they'll be replaced with much less expensive contracts. We can double the RPS without paying significantly more than we're paying now. So the cost trends are very favorable for further development. As for jobs in Delaware, 500 people earn their living installing solar panels in Delaware. Been steady at about that level for some years now. We work hard to promote a stable market to avoid the ups and downs. And that also pays dividends because a stable market is a predictable market and a predictable market is an efficient market. So you mentioned the solar panel installers, and you also mentioned the individuals who had to maintain all of the fossil fuel, the fossil fuel industries. So on the one hand, it almost seems like you're going to lose people because they're not going to be needed anymore to man all those different projects or systems or whatever. How do things play out in terms of net gain or net loss with jobs? Are there enough sustainable jobs to replace the jobs that will be lost because of what happens as a result of climate change initiatives and renewable energy options? Well, we still need electric utilities. We still need to generate electricity. And, you know, a, a gas turbine doesn't have 10 people sitting around waiting for something to happen. It's not a labor-intensive thing itself either. So the jobs will be shifting in terms of generation. There's also another area where there's a lot of opportunity for jobs, and that's in energy efficiency and electrification. We have a lot of buildings, homes and office buildings and industrial facilities, and these need periodic upgrades and investments. 
And when those happen, somebody's got to do the work. You can't outsource insulating your building to someone from another country or even another state. You need people on site. And the payoff is almost immediate when you, when you do the most cost-effective energy efficiency measures. You reminded me of something when you talked about that, and that is when you're shifting to alternative energy sources like wind and solar, are there jobs that might be created aside from the buildings? Will there be a need for new jobs that relate to the infrastructure? Yes, because again, generating resources are not going to be located where the old generating resources are necessarily located. You put up a few megawatts of solar power, you've got to connect it to the grid. And so you want to be close to a transmission line, but you still, there's still part of the cost is connecting to that transmission line. The smaller scale, we'll need upgrades to the retail level, the neighborhood level uh, distribution network. So at the distribution network scale and the transmission scale, we're going to need a lot of investment. Now, these are assets that need to be upgraded periodically anyway. What we see happening is in the process of naturally upgrading distribution networks and transmission networks, we're going to be shifting some things around to accommodate new renewable resources rather than just rewiring the same grid to work the same way as it did 20, 30 years ago. Okay. Tom, this has been great. It's getting me very excited about developments in the industry, about things that are going to be done and are being done to address climate change in Delaware and elsewhere in the United States and around the world. How can our listeners find out more about you and what you're up to and Anything else you think that our listeners might want to learn about regarding Delaware initiatives or, in a broader sense, global initiatives or national initiatives that are focused on addressing the climate change problem and coming up with more use of renewable energy sources? If I were to give people one web address to go to right now, yes, that would be declimateplan.org. The DE, D-E-C-L-I-M-A-T-E-P-L-A-N.org, DelawareClimatePlan.org, is where you will find all our information, including older reports, current deliberations, results of public engagement workshops and expert workshops, all of the work, including the technical work that we've been doing to develop a climate plan. I would go there and I would stay tuned because we're going to be bringing this climate plan out fairly soon. If you want to uh, just learn more about our division, it's probably Googling it would be better. Just go Delaware Climate Coastal Energy. Delaware Climate Coastal and Energy. Google will send you right to us and you can learn about energy efficiency, renewable energy, coastal programs, climate plan, transportation, it's a small team of about 40 people, but we do a lot. Tom, if people who don't live in the Delaware area want to learn a little bit more about what might be going on in their area or how they can become more familiar with climate change policy and renewable energy options, can you give us a few suggestions where they might go? Perhaps there's a website or an organization that might be able to help them I can think of several good advocacy organizations that do very fine work and give and provide sound information. Sierra Club, a lot of people know about. It's been around a long, long time. 
National Wildlife Federation does some very good policy work. It's the National Wildlife Federation, but actually there's someone there, for instance, who does work on making sure that wildlife concerns are kept in mind as offshore wind and other uh, renewable energy facilities are developed. National Resources Defense Council, those are just three off the top of my head. If you want to get more industry-specific, there's a Solar Energy Industry Association. That's the National Association of America. Wind Energy Association. Those are good policy resources that I would recommend. Tom, that's very helpful. I appreciate that. I want to thank you again for being on Looking Forward. This information is terrific. As I said earlier, I'm very encouraged by the work that you and Delaware are doing and the momentum we're now seeing in addressing the climate change problem. Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's jeff Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.